Hello and welcome to the one-year anniversary of the podcast of First Congregational United Church of Christ in DeWitt, Iowa. I'm Pastor Chris. Thank you for joining us. Today on the podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about the last year. We will also have our podcast worship, and I'll give a little bit of additional context for our scripture. My usual reminder here at the top that if you like what you hear, it would be really helpful if you could rate and review and share this podcast. That will help more people hear this podcast and maybe discover other bits and pieces of our stuff and hear the good news of Jesus Christ and get to know our community here in DeWitt and maybe even find a community of their own. So thank you in advance for doing all of those things, for rating and reviewing and sharing. And with that, let's get started. This episode is going live on March 22nd, 2021. Our first episode was a year ago on March 21st, 2020, and it has been a year. It's been a year of pandemic and change and figuring stuff out, and I thought, I thought I'd just take a little bit of time to talk about that. A year ago, our congregation went into lockdown. We closed. We stopped doing pretty much anything in person. Worship and meetings and all that kind of stuff was moved online. We canceled events, like big events. And the only thing that remained in person were office hours. That was it. And I'm going to be honest, I really thought that would last for like six weeks. I really didn't expect for it to last for a year. Well, more than a year. It's still going. And to be more honest, I think that it could have lasted for like six weeks. Maybe a few months. But, well, we discovered some strengths as a nation and we maybe discovered some weaknesses. As a church, I think we've adapted pretty well and we've acted pretty responsibly. It's really hard to strike the right balance between risk and reward, and really, we're still trying to figure that out. In the beginning, it was easy to just move online for a few weeks. But as time wore on, we learned that just being online comes with benefits like safety and reach and costs, because humans need social interaction that is not mediated by a screen. So we've kind of spent the last year trying to balance safety in a constantly changing environment and being human. And that's hard. So like I said, we started by closing. Everything moved online except for the stuff that was canceled altogether. And we spent some time figuring that out. We did everything through Zoom. And then we had a couple of Zoom bombing incidents and we moved over to pre-recorded worship. And, you know, I've done that from my home office and my dining room and the church sanctuary. And that's been weird. When I lead worship in person, I get to see faces. I get reactions. I hear laughter when I make a joke sometimes. And leading worship in what is basically an empty room 
regardless of where that empty room is, is really different. Even pastors need interaction that is not mediated by a screen and that isn't just talking to a camera with no one else there. Once it got warmer, we moved worship outside, and that mostly worked. And as the COVID numbers went down a bit, we started having hybrid meetings so that people could meet in person or join us online, and then it got colder, so we couldn't really meet outside anymore, and the COVID numbers went back up, and we went back online. And now, well, now is weird. We have in-person things and online things and hybrid things, and they're all separate things, and I at least have a pretty organized workflow, but it's a lot. And that's just the public stuff. Pastoral care has been weird. Everything is over the phone. And I know that I'm not checking in with some folks as often as I should because, you know, normally I would see them. I would check in at church. And now everything has to be really super intentional. There's no running into someone. You have to kind of seek them out. But this isn't about me. This is about our church. And as a church, well, we've done some innovative things. We've figured out some things about online worship and meetings where not everyone has to be in the same room, which is great because, frankly, not everybody comes every week anyway, and not everybody's in town at the same time at the best of times. So being able to join us online or catch a meeting when someone is is away is great. We've had uh, we had a virtual on-demand VBS. We raised a bunch of money for our town's referral center that helps out people in need. We really learned a lot and did a lot when it would have been, it would have been really easy to, you know, not so much do a lot. And now we're looking forward. We're trying to figure out how to record our live worship and get that online. That will ease up my workflow some. We're planning on reopening in stages and we're starting to invite people to come back in person. We're looking at some new ministries and we're experiencing a bit of new life, which is good. I think there's some excitement in the church for what we could do and what could be new and how we can re-energize ourselves. And I think we'll even keep the podcast going. Just this one thing has changed a lot over the last year. It had been an idea even before the pandemic. And then when the pandemic started, it became a little bit of a necessity. And now we've settled into a little bit of a rhythm and we have a handful of listeners and I hope that it's good. So kind of all of this is to say it's been a hard year and it's been an amazing year. We have gone through some stuff together and we have learned some things together and we have done some things together, but not two together. And thank you. Thank you for sticking with us through all of that stuff. I'm really looking forward to where we might go as things return to something like normal and maybe as I will talk about later in the podcast, something better than normal. Let's start our worship by preparing our minds and our bodies, our spirits and our spaces 
for worship by taking three deep breaths. Take one deep breath and become aware of God's presence all around you. No matter where you might be watching this video, you are surrounded by the love of God. Take a second deep breath and be filled with gratitude for this opportunity to worship together, even though we're not in the same place and we're not doing this at the same time. We are united in worship by one Holy Spirit. And take a third deep breath and lay aside any thoughts or feelings that might stand in the way of being fully present in worship for the next little while. You might need to pick up those thoughts and feelings again later, and that is perfectly fine. But for now, let's put them aside and be completely and totally here. Please join me in the spirits of prayer. Lord of hosts, hear our prayer. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. As we gather to worship you, may we find welcome in your house. As we come together in praise, may we find happiness in your courts. Lift us up, O God, that we might be your people, here and everywhere now and always. Lord, you are merciful. Have mercy upon us. Christ, you are merciful. Have mercy upon us. Lord, you are merciful. Have mercy upon us. Amen. Come to the house of the Lord in gladness. Come and worship the living God. Our reading today is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 18, verse 31, through chapter 19, verse 10. As usual for our recordings, this is from the King James Version of the Bible. If you would like to read along, either with that version or with another version, like the New Revised Standard Version, which is what we use during in-person worship, I invite you to go to BibleGateway.com, where you can find this passage and the whole Bible in any number of different versions and translations. So here is Luke chapter 18, verse 31, through chapter 19, verse 10. Then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on and they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. 
And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be guest with a man that was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. In today's reading, we get three snippets, three little episodes. It starts with Jesus telling his disciples something that they do not understand. It starts with Jesus telling his disciples something that they cannot understand. It It starts with Jesus telling the disciples that they are heading to Jerusalem and that bad things are going to happen. And on their way to Jerusalem, they pass through Jericho. There is this blind man. He's heard of this Jesus, this teacher, this healer, this prophet. Word has gotten around And when he hears that Jesus is coming to Jericho, when he hears that Jesus is passing by, he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And there's nothing wrong with being blind, but this man does not want to be blind, and Christ is merciful, so Christ has mercy, and the man's sight is 
restored. And in Jericho, there is a tax collector. And not just a tax collector, the chief tax collector. And he is rich. And people do not like him. Taxes in the Roman Empire, taxes out here in the provinces, were complicated. You see, the empire didn't know where everyone lived or where they worked or what they made. It would have been difficult at best to have everyone submit a tax return and have someone in Rome check them and double-check them and make sure everything was right. So instead of the overly complicated kind of nonsense system that we have, they had a different overly complicated kind of nonsense system. They would auction off the right to collect taxes in a village or a city or a region to a tax collector. And now it was the tax collector's responsibility to do the math and collect the money. Here's where the tricky bit comes in. You see, the tax collector only had to pay the bid. So if he could bid high enough to get the contract and low enough that they would collect more in taxes later, they got to keep the difference. And that means that tax collectors could make a lot of money, even if they were honest. And not all of them were. So in Jericho, there is a tax collector. And not just a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. And he is rich, and he's a little tricky, and a little lazy. And he is definitely the agent of an occupying empire, and no one wants to pay taxes anyway. So no one, except maybe some people in Rome who count the money that comes in from the provinces, likes him. But Jesus is passing through Jericho, and this tax collector wants to see who this Jesus, this teacher, this healer, this prophet is. So he goes downtown, and he climbs a tree, and he gets a good view, and as he settles into his spot in the tree, he sees exactly who this Jesus is. You see, while the blind man called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, the tax collector is not here looking for mercy. So Jesus calls him by name. Zacchaeus, come down from there. We're going to your house. And I don't know what's going through Zacchaeus' head, but I'm pretty sure that he's doing the math. Because he's rich. And he has gotten rich off of the backs of the people of Jericho by collecting taxes and taking his cut and paying Rome. And to be honest, he might be a little bit richer than he should be, even doing that. And an audit by this teacher, this healer, this prophet is going to be, it's going to be risky. 
But Jesus has called him by name. And now they're walking to his house. And the people around him are grumbling. Is this not Jesus, the healer and teacher and prophet? And he's going to Zacchaeus' house? He's going to the house of a sinner? And the wheels turn. And Zacchaeus thinks on his feet, and he says, look, Lord, I will give a quarter of everything I owe. No, no, wait, wait, not a quarter, a half. I'll give half of everything I own to the poor. And um, uh, if I have defrauded anyone, if, I'm not saying I have, just if, by accident, say, I did some math wrong. You know, Roman numerals are hard. If I have defrauded anyone, I will pay back twice as much. Nope, three times. No, wait, 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 four times as much. And Jesus claps his hand on Zacchaeus' shoulder right there in front of everyone. <laughs> And, and smiles big and says, Today salvation has come to this house. I know I'm playing it up a little, but there are times when we are the blind man on the side of the road on the way into Jericho. There are times when we cry out for mercy. And when we do that, well, Christ is merciful, and Christ has mercy. But at least as often, maybe even more often, we are Zacchaeus. We aren't really looking to meet Jesus. We aren't trying to call attention to ourselves. We aren't crying out for mercy. We're just trying to see what all the fuss is about. And we're just trying to get on with our lives when Jesus spots us and calls us by name and says that he's coming to our house. And in that moment, in that sacred, holy, beautiful moment, we have to decide what kind of people we're going to be. Are we going to be the people that the world asks us to be? Are we going to pursue the riches of this world? Are we going to go after power and privilege and prestige? Are we going to do that on the backs of other folks? Are we going to collect what we can and take our cut and make our payments to sin? Or are we going to be the people who Christ calls us to be? Generous, honest, merciful, loving, bringing good news to the poor and awareness to those lost in darkness and freedom to the oppressed, wild and dangerous and full of grace. And I know that seems like an easy question. Of course we're going to choose to be the people who Christ calls us to be. We're Christians. 
It's right there in the name. We are all of these things and more. But there's a cost to this sort of thing. It's easy to be brave in the context of worship. It's easy to make big promises when Jesus is standing right there and the crowds are murmuring. But Zacchaeus still needs to, you know, actually give half of his possessions to the poor and actually make restitution for his wrongs. And that's going to be hard. And being generous and honest and merciful and loving, bringing good news to the poor and awareness to those lost in darkness and freedom to the oppressed, being wild and dangerous and full of grace, being Christians, being Christ-like, following this teacher, this healer, this prophet, this son of God. There's a cost to this sort of thing. It is Lent. It is Lent and Jesus told us what the cost is going to be. It is Lent and Jesus showed us what the cost is going to be. You see, God loved the world this way. He went to Jerusalem and was handed over to the powers that be, and they mocked him and insulted him. They spat on him and flogged him. They crucified him. And God loved the world this way. He rose again. It is easy for Zacchaeus to say that he's going to do these amazing things. It is harder to do them. And it is easy to say that we follow Christ. It is harder to do it when people come along with verbal abuse or social abuse or physical abuse. When people say, who do those people at that church think they are? But it is Lent. We are in a sacred, holy, beautiful season. And Christ is standing before us, calling us by name, telling us he is coming to our house. And more than that, every moment is a sacred, holy, beautiful moment. And Christ is always standing before us, calling us by name, telling us that he is coming into our lives. Offering us a mercy that we were not expecting. The opportunity to follow him. Yes, into trouble. But beyond that, into new life. Thanks be to God. I like to imagine that after, later, in the days between Easter and the Ascension, 
Jesus came back to Jericho and appeared to Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus really had given half of everything he owned to the poor and then saw how the poor rejoiced and kept giving. And Zacchaeus really had made restitution and more for his accounting errors and saw people who he had put in misery thriving again. I'd like to imagine that he had seen the wonders that come from living generously and maybe a little bit restoring people to life. I like to imagine that during that visit, Jesus told him that on that day when he was passing through Jericho, salvation had come to Zacchaeus' house. Not because he had made promises, but because he had been given the power to fulfill them. And I like to imagine that during that visit, Zacchaeus had another sacred, holy, beautiful moment when he saw the kingdom of God growing around him, a garden blossoming as salvation got spread around. Please join me in a moment of silent reflection. And please join me in the spirit of prayer. You, O oh God, do not pass by. You show up. You show up in miracles. You give those of us who cannot see, who can't see what you are, who can't see the kingdom around us, you give us sight. You grant us the ability to see all that you are, all that you have created, all of the mercies that you have bestowed, whether we're asking for it or not. You show up and call us by name. You tell us that you are coming to our house, that you're coming into our lives. And we know that we have moments when we make grand promises. We know that we should make grand promises. We know that in the face of all that you are showing us, we cannot help but make grand promises. That we will be good. That we will be generous. That we will make restitution for our wrongs. That we will... Be good news to the poor and a light to those who are in darkness and freedom to the oppressed. 
but we know that we don't always follow through. We know that we don't always fulfill those grand promises. And so today we ask you, we ask you to be with us, to give us courage and heart and strength and wisdom that we might keep those promises that we might not shrink away from boldness, but that we might go boldly into your kingdom, that we might go boldly into the garden that you have planted, that we might go boldly into this creation, and that we might bring forth good things, that we might find the seedlings of compassion and justice that you have planted and nurture them until the world blooms around us. We know that we can do these things with you and through you. That it is not impossible. Gracious God, we come before you today a people with so much on our minds. So many things weighing on our hearts. We have celebrations and we have sorrows. We have joys and we have troubles. We long to share them with you. Some of them we could shout from the rooftops. Some of them are just between you and us. Some of them are buried so deep within us we don't even know that they're there. And yet we know that we can share with you, that we can pour ourselves out before you and be heard and be shown mercy and be shown love. And so, O oh God, we ask you to hear us as we take a moment for silent prayer. God who does not pass by, God who bestows mercy, God who brings sight to the blind, God who brings boldness to the weak. We ask that you hear all of these prayers, those we have spoken aloud, those we have kept to ourselves. We ask that you answer them in the ways that are best for us, at the times that are best for us, and that you give us discerning hearts that we might see how things are working to the good. And that we ourselves might work to the good. We pray all of these things and more in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I said in my sermon, our reading today is in three snippets. For the last nine or ten chapters, depending on how you want to count, Jesus and his disciples have been on their way to Jerusalem, and now they are close. They're passing through Jericho. They're 25 or 30 miles away as the crow flies, and all along the way we've been getting these little episodes. And in today's reading, we get three of them. In my sermon, I focused on the tax collector, and I gave some context about how the Romans collected taxes out here in the boonies. And coming up, we're going to talk a lot about Jesus's death. So right now, I want to talk a little bit about one of the other snippets of this reading, the blind beggar. Scripture's attitude towards blindness, towards disability in general, is problematic. And I want to give some space and some grace here because we're dealing with documents that are a couple thousand years old and things were different then. The Roman economy was really lopsided. A small percentage of people were really wealthy and a slightly larger percentage had some surplus resources, but the vast majority of people lived at or below subsistence level. And the bulk of those folks were either unstable at subsistence level, right? Sometimes having just enough and, and often having not enough, or consistently below subsistence level. And the difference there was, was important. The folks in that we're barely making it sometimes category were small farm families and laborers, artisans, business owners, merchants, traders, kind of people who we today would tend to put into the middle class. And among the folks who were consistently below subsistence level, those were widows who didn't have a male relative to care about them and orphans and prisoners and often disabled people. And I'm not saying that being blind in first century Roman Judea always meant abject poverty, but it often did. And I would dare say that it usually did. So we can understand why people at the time would say that if you have the choice between being blind and not being blind, not being blind is better. And why they would say the same sort of thing about other disabilities. That said, we today often read these stories as though the blindness is the problem. And that ends up translating to thinking that disabled people today would rather not be disabled, that a disability is something to be cured. And I want to be careful here because I am not disabled yet. I mean, I almost certainly will be one day. We all almost certainly will be one day. But I'm not yet, and I don't want to speak too much for that community, but in my experience, there are some people who are disabled who would rather not be. 
And there are many people who are disabled for whom that disability is an important part of their identity and something that they would not give up if they were offered the chance. And this actually points to a problem with words like disability. You see, a difference is only a disability if the society that we're in kind of makes it one. And that might be overstating things a bit. Let me put it this way. A difference is often only a disability if the society that we're in makes it one. Which brings me to this, since we're living at what I really hope is the tail end of a pandemic. Before the pandemic, there were people who would have had much easier lives if they could have worked from home or socialized over video conference or had an hour once a week when fewer people were at the grocery or whatever. And those people were saying that they needed those things. And the rest of us just kind of ignored them. And when the pandemic hit, and those of us who are more able-bodied, those of us who are more typically bodied, needed those kinds of accommodations, we figured it out pretty quickly. And obviously things are not perfect for anyone, but, but it shows what we can do when we want to. And that brings me back to the scripture. The problem in this story is not the blindness. It's that society didn't make room for people who were blind to live dignified lives. And we can understand why 2,000 years ago in a society where most people were on subsistence level anyway or below it, a blind man might ask to see and a miracle might include restoring sight. And we can respect that blind man's choice. But we today can do better. And one of the things that we can do is make sure that as the pandemic recedes, we don't return to normal. We can make sure that we listen to the people who struggle with how our society works. And we can keep the things that we have learned to help them. And in fact, we can continue working to make things better. So that yes, as we discover cures for things, if somebody who is blind wants to see, we can help them see. But also so that someone who is blind doesn't get left out of society. So that someone can have a difference without it being a disability. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. If you liked what you heard, it would be great if you could rate, review, and share this podcast so that more people can hear it and hear the good news of Jesus Christ and get to know our community a little bit better and maybe even find a community for themselves. If you would like to get to know First Congregational United Church of Christ a little bit better, please visit our website, uccdewitt.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to reach me, Pastor Chris, you can do that by emailing pastor at uccdewitt.org. And you can also find links to my social media accounts on our website. Finally, you can send suggestions and ideas for the podcast to podcast at uccdewitt.org. 
This ministry and all of the ministries of First Congregational United Church of Christ are only possible if they are supported by people like you. So if you did like this podcast, I encourage you to make a contribution. You can do that in a couple of ways. You can send a gift to our office at 520 East 11th Street in DeWitt, Iowa, 52742. Or you can go online to that same website, uccdewitt.org. That's uccdewitt.org. And make a gift safely, securely, and easily there. Our music for this podcast includes Funkarama by Kevin McLeod and Gymnopedes numbers one and two by Eric Satie performed by Kevin McLeod. And you can find those tunes at incompetech.filmmusic.io. And with that, Jesus does not pass by. Whoever cries out for mercy receives mercy. Leave this time calling for mercy. Leave this time having received mercy and leave this time prepared to share the mercy that you have received with others. We were blind, O Christ, and you gave us sight. We were sinners, O Christ, and you came to save us. You have been merciful and gracious with us. May we go into the world in imitation of you, as instruments of your mercy, as vessels of your grace. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Amen.